I don't have too many ideas for 2022, but this might be my best one. I'm Jared Dillian, and welcome to the Be Smart Podcast, where we talk about how not to be an idiot with your money, because there was a lot of that going around. So this has turned out to be kind of a funny year. Uh, Stocks are down. Interest rates are up. Oil is ripping. Commodities are doing pretty well. There is one commodity that historically has not done so well, and that's gold. I mean, just a quick history of gold. Um, You know, in the late 70s, early 80s, it ripped to like $800 an ounce. Then it went back down to, got down to about $260 an ounce in the year 2000 or 1999, something like that. And then in 2011, it was $1,900 an ounce, which was a legitimate bubble. Like there was, it was a bubble in gold. Then it went down about 45%, got down to 1,015 ounce. And here we are at 1,800 and change an ounce. And what's going to happen next? Now, I have said that every person should have 20% of gold in their portfolio, which seems like a lot. If you if you go to any financial advisor, if you go to this guy at Edward Jones and you say, you know, I should have 20% gold in my portfolio, they're going to look at you like you're nuts. They're going to be like, no, you need a 60-40 portfolio, stocks and bonds. We're going to get you these mutual funds. Gold does not have a part to play in this. It absolutely does. Okay, we're going to talk about why. Gold is the Dennis Rodman of asset classes. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, Dennis Rodman was a funny kind of basketball player. He's in the Hall of Fame, but he didn't score. He only averaged like four points or seven points a game or something like that. He never really shot the ball. He didn't score. He was really good on defense. He was the best rebounder of all time, so he would rebound and pass people the ball. Now, Dennis Rodman was a Hall of Fame basketball player, but if you had a team full of Dennis Rodmans, if you had five Dennis Rodmans, it would be the worst team of all time because it can't score. But if you take Dennis Rodman and you add him to a team full of people that can score, then it becomes an unstuck. Then it's a championship team, which is what it was like in the Bulls in the 90s, you know? So when people are looking for stocks or investments for their portfolio, they usually look for the Michael Jordans. And they look, okay, what is going to return the most? Okay, so ARK is going to return the most or Bitcoin is going to return the most. So they look for these Michael Jordan types of investments. And they build this portfolio full of Michael Jordans. And what happens is, is that they don't have anybody to pass them the ball. So the portfolio sucks. And it's a portfolio that sucks because it has a lot of volatility because, you know, Michael Jordan doesn't score 30 points a night every night. Sometimes he scores 50, sometimes he scores 10. There's a lot of volatility. And if the whole team gets cold at the same time, then that's bad. But if you have a Dennis Rodman in your portfolio, that's when it works. You have a more consistent portfolio. So gold is Dennis Rodman. And what happens is, is that when you own when you own gold, when you add gold to a portfolio, you improve the risk characteristics of the portfolio. Everything gets better. The volatility of the portfolio goes down. The risk of the portfolio goes down. Your returns might go down, but your returns as a function of risk go up just by adding a little bit of gold to your portfolio. And you know we can talk about what's the right amount of gold to add to a portfolio. A lot of people say it's like 5% or 10%. I say it's 20%. You should have, which is what's in the awesome portfolio. It's 20% gold. So 
Now, some people say, well, I don't I don't like gold. I like Bitcoin better. I'm going to add Bitcoin in my portfolio. And that's great. But what you're doing is you're adding a Michael Jordan to your portfolio. Okay, so Bitcoin is correlated with tech stocks. It's correlated with other crypto. It's correlated with ARK. It's correlated with risk. And you're just going to make your portfolio more volatile. And the efficiency of that portfolio is going to go down. It increases your risk rather than decreases your risk. Now, there's also some ideological reasons to hold gold, okay, the whole money printing thing. The Fed is printing money. Yes, I get it. The Fed is printing money. But they really are printing money. And you can't print gold. You can mine gold, but that's getting harder and harder to do. So there's less and less gold coming out of the earth every year. But we can print trillions of dollars, and that's what we've been doing. So gold goes up when dollars are in the denominator. Okay, the Fed is printing money. Governments can run huge budget deficits, which they can't pay for. Then they go into debt. Then they have to monetize the debt. So gold responds to all of these things. It's the stuff that the gold bugs talk about all the time, which is why I don't spend a lot of time talking about it because it's not really my jam. Okay. Anyway, I do think the price of gold is going to go up this year, and I think it could go up soon. Now, one thing I've noticed is that gold has been going up when interest rates go up, which doesn't make any sense at all. Because if you think about it, if interest rates go up, that makes gold less attractive. Because if you have cash, you'd rather deposit your money in the bank and earn interest than buy gold, which does not pay any interest. So the fact that gold is going up when interest rates are going up is really unusual and I think noteworthy. I, I think it's something to pay attention to and it could be an indication that this regime has shifted. And as I talk, it's happening right now. Now, this is a podcast and I can't show charts, but if I were able to show you a chart, I would show this long-term chart of gold and you would see that gold has been in a consolidation for the last couple of years. And that consolidation is narrowing and it's either gonna go up or it's gonna go down. It's gonna break up or it's gonna break down. And I think it's going to break up, mostly for sentiment reasons, because the sentiment around gold is really bad right now. I mean, people think it's useless. People, I mean, because look, we have inflation of 7% and gold doesn't have, it hasn't done shit. You know, so people say gold is useless. It's not even an inflation hedge. Why do you own it? And when sentiment is that bad, I, I mean, I think if you, if, you, if you come to a point where it's going to break out or break down, I think it's going to break out, you know? So, look, I, this is just my dumb analysis. Like, you know, this is just me looking at a chart. But, gosh, you know, my guess is it's going to break up because sentiment on gold is atrocious. Everybody thinks it's useless. And it is kind of useless because if you look at gold over the last 100 years, what does it return? It returns about 4% a year, which is about the same as inflation over the last 100 years. Stocks have returned 9 or 10% a year. Gold has returned 4% a year. So why would you invest in gold? Well, along the way, there have been some periods of time where gold has significantly outperformed stocks, like in 1979, 1980, like in 2011. And we might be coming up to one of those times. I got a hunch, you know. There was a book, uh, John Updike is one of my favorite authors, and there was a book called Rabbit is Rich about Harry Angstrom. And in the book, Harry, and it takes place in like 1980, and in the book, he buys a bunch of gold coins at like $300 an ounce, and then he flips them literally on the highs like six months later at like $800 an ounce. 
it's funny because, you know, that is, a, that is a good book, and I have never heard anybody talk about that. <laughs> it's really an interesting episode. Now, in 2011, gold went bananas, and it was a bubble. Like, it, it, like from 2009 to 2011, it sucked in a lot of retail investors. People were buying coins and bars, and they had these cash for gold stores, and they had the gold line commercials on Fox News. Fox News, like every time they took a commercial break, it was like nothing but gold commercials. So for well, I don't I don't know why that happened, but it happened, and that was a huge bubble, and then it popped, and then gold went down to ten fifty an ounce, and it was in the bear market for a long time, and that was painful, you know, that happens. So that's it. By the way, that's an argument for selling something rather than hanging on too long. Now. If I'm right about this, if it breaks out of this consolidation, it's going to go to 2,500 easily, maybe 3,000, and that is going to be one hell of a trade. Now, if you're a long-term investor and you have a 20% allocation of gold, then you don't have to do anything. You're just along for the ride. But if you're somebody who's a little more aggressive and you want to make a lot of money off of this, then as soon as it breaks out, you want to be aggressively buying gold futures, call options on gold, GLD. You want to load up as much as possible because... You know, the longer the consolidation, when it breaks out, the more impulsive the move is going to be. So, yeah. Having said all that, there is a chance that this trade is not going to work out. Could happen. Uh, I, this analysis, whatever you want to call it, this could be totally wrong. We could get to the end of this consolidation. It could break down. Could happen. Gold has been disappointing people for years. Could disappoint people again. That's why you want to wait for the breakout to buy, okay? Some, I used to do this when I was younger. I used to front run the chart. I'd say, okay, we're getting near a technical level. It's going to break out. I'm going to buy a bunch of stuff. And then it wouldn't break out, and then I would be wearing it. So don't front run, don't front run the chart. Don't try to get ahead of it. Wait for the breakout to happen. So I have a tough time believing that gold is going to trade lower with sentiment as bleak as it is, and it is chronically under-owned. This isn't like 2011. It's not. That was a totally different scenario. And some people have philosophical disagreements with gold. They're like, why do we need gold? We have computers. We have dollars. We have fiat currency. Like, we are, we have evolved since then. This is the barbarous relic. Like, this, why, it's a shiny rock. You know, why are we investing in a shiny rock that doesn't do anything? Well, I don't know. I, nah, I really don't know. I don't have the answer to that question. But all I can tell you is that people have been doing it for thousands of years. I don't think people are fundamentally different. I really don't. You know, sometimes the people in charge of government spending and the Fed, sometimes they screw up. And in the last two years, they have royally screwed up. They printed too much money. They went too much into debt. They handed out too much free money. And here we are. And now we have 7% inflation. And it is, it is surprising that gold hasn't responded to that so far. But, you know, gold kind of does whatever it does on its own time. You know, I've said that before in my newsletter. So, so is gold an inflation hedge? I mean, yes, over a period of decades, it is, inflation, it is an inflation hedge. It will keep up with inflation. Over the short term, no. But yeah, inflation is another reason you would want to buy gold. We have 7% inflation. And it's, 
you know, seven <laughs> percent inflation. I mean, that's a pretty good reason to buy gold. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I've owned gold since 2005 when it was it was like around five hundred dollars an ounce back then, maybe five fifty. And my position on gold at the time was it would outperform stocks over time. I said I would rather invest in gold and stocks because gold would outperform stocks over a period of decades. And so far, it's a tie, right? So it's, it's a statistical tie that it, gold and stocks have done equally well, okay? Life is good. You know, the Winter Olympics are going on, and I love watching the Winter Olympics. I love luge and bobsled and skeleton. I love that stuff. I mean, if, if I, let's just say I was a kid and I had rich parents, and I could go back and do luge as a kid, that would be amazing. I would love to do that. So it's it's also one of these things. I mean, how many people do luge in the world? Like 200? 200 people do luge in the world? How many people play basketball in the world? Millions, right? So if you want to make the NBA, you have to be like the top 0.0001%. But if you want to make, if you want to go to the Olympics and lose, you only have to be in like the top ten percent. <laughs> Seriously, I, 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 my band director in high school used to talk about this all the time. He's like, you want to get into a drum corps, you want to get into like a top marching band, you play the tuba. Play the tuba because nobody wants to play the tuba when they're a kid. Everybody does flute, clarinet, saxophone. You have millions of flutes, clarinets, and saxophones, but you don't have too many people doing tuba. If you're if you're a passable tuba player, you're gonna you're gonna get a job in the band. So, I have a suggestion for the Olympics. Have the Olympics in the same place every time. Don't move it around anymore. It doesn't make economic sense. You move it around. You have it in Pyeongchang. You have it in Sochi. You have it all these different places. You get to spend thirty billion dollars building all these facilities. Then they never get used, and they just get they just sit there. It doesn't make any sense. Have the Olympics in the same place every time. Have it in Athens every summer. Athens, the birthplace of the Olympics. And the Winter Olympics, have them in Calgary. It's the best place to have the Winter Olympics, in Calgary. So, But clearly, that does not waste enough money. You know, you should really vote for me for president because I have some great ideas. I'll have this place fixed up in no time. I would be the most popular president ever. You know, I never thought I had common sense, but the older I get, I realize I have a lot of it, which is the whole basis for this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Be Smart Podcast. I'm Jared Dillian. See you next time.